0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in
1: ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything.
0: And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Awesome. So
1: the name of this episode today is called, What Would, uh, this is what I'm calling it, it's called, What Would Matt
0: Do? No, and no, it's called, What Would Chris Do? No,
1: no, no, no. Who goes first though? Seriously. We're gonna present scenarios yep, yep. that may or may not have historical. Have actually truth. happened. Yeah, yeah. May or may not. Probably did. And uh yeah, so I have a really fun one and then a more serious one. And so I'll let you I'll let you lead the dance.
0: Oh, I'm I, I get to ask what would Chris do first?
1: If you'd like, yes Okay,
0: I mean, this was your idea I was going to let you set the vibe Set the tone for the, the, the podcast But I'll go first Okay, so you, you go to Mass You spend a little time in adoration On the way out You see a young gentleman um, With a hoodie on um, Like a suitcase And a trash bag full of clothes Walking like near your car um, So I, I, I want to do this in stages So walking near your car What do you do? I'd probably approach the
1: young man and say, "Hey, can I help you?"
0: Cool. Okay. So now that-
1: the, the reason is is probably because I'm suspicious, and that's typically what I say when I see people that I'm suspicious of. Sure.
0: Right. Okay. So then, like his response is, "Sure, uh, I, I could take. I, I could use a ride somewhere."
1: Okay. So, if my wife and my kids are not with me. Then I would ask him where do you need to go
0: okay um and he says this like a mcdonald's like two miles away
1: yeah so I would then say let's put your stuff in the back and then I'd probably take him there
0: cool all right as he gets in the car you notice like neck tattoos um and like he's got a hoodie over like over his head stuff like that and instead of getting in the passenger seat he gets in the back seat
1: Oh, no. I would probably say I'd be more comfortable <laughs> if you rode next to me. Okay.
0: Yeah. Like he says, "No, no, no, I'm good." Then what do you do?
1: And then I then I just say, "I I don't think I'm comfortable taking you."
0: Okay. So <laughs> so let's let's discuss. This exact thing happened to me. Almost exact same scenario, except I went ahead and gave him a ride. Um in the back seat? Yeah. 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 It was awkward. Um and uh did he
1: sit directly behind you or no,
0: passenger back? passenger back okay um but but no like regardless i was nervous like the 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 thought that this like almost immediately when i saw the guy and i said hey do you need to ride somewhere um i was like um this might be one of those gang initiation things where he's just gonna kill me um because <laughs> that was that was literally my thought um and uh and so then. Immediately, like he actually starts to question, like, "Did you go to church? Were you just at mass, or were you just at church?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then I said, "Do you go to church?" And and I could tell almost right away that he was either high or on something, or his brain was addled from years of drug use, or it could have been addled just because of psychological issues. I have no idea, um, but it was uh, it was an interesting car ride. Um, every like a- any question I asked him, it seemed like it caught him off guard. Um, like, but it was it was all in line with each other. But uh, we ended up talking about God almost the whole way. He asked me, I was like, are you married? I said, yeah. And I've got six kids. (laughs) They love me very much. (laughs) I'm their only dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But it it, it, it was a conversation. It was interesting. I got to pray for him, pray over him before he left the car. And then uh, dropped him off at McDonald's up the road. And I'm still alive.
1: Yay! Excellent. So a couple of things from a (laughs) ministry leader, anonymous type of perspective. First of all, I think evangelization um, always involves some type of risk. Yep. Now, typically that risk is the risk of rejection, not the risk of being <laughs> murdered. <laughs> However, in the apostolic age, I think things are going to increase in regards to the cost, and it's yep. going to be more social costs, I think, initially. But I think that, uh, that there could be a time where um, the only way to faithfully live out our faith is through a prison cell right? Yep. I mean, I think that that could be a possibility, maybe not our generation, but the generation that, that we're grandparents to or something like that. God forbid, right? Absolutely need the call of evangelization, but it needs to be bold. Second thing is I think that we can be prudent, and I I answered that way because, first of all, I'm not a female. I would I would not want my daughters or my wife answering in that same way. Yep. And secondly, I feel like I have a pretty good read of people, um, and I'm comfortable with awkward but I'm aware of unsafe. Yeah. And yeah. there's a difference between those two. So if he was just awkward, I would have been like, this guy gets a ride because someone's eventually going to give me a ride yep. and I'm just an awkward dude. But unsafe, I set some boundaries. Yeah. You know, and uh, and as long as I'm I not handing over the car keys or anything like that. So I still have leverage. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And that was kind of my thought is the, like that last part was like, okay, I don't want to make like, I don't know. I don't want to, make him mad as he gets in my car. Um, so I'm okay with him sitting back there. Um, I've got the keys, I've got the steering wheel, um, and we're, we're taking a safe road, you know, or whatever, a a very visible road to get where we're going. Um, and so I was like, eh, like "I, I can deal with that, you know? And I kept looking back as often as I could so that I could actually like have an idea of what was going on back there. But yeah, like the, like and using opportunities like that, um, to talk about God in whatever way you can. That, so that was an, that was interesting because some of the stuff that he asked about, he's like, So you believe Jesus is God and God is God? And it's like, Yeah. And he's like, So what's this? What's the whole Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit thing? And so it was like, Oh, great. Now I get to talk about the Trinity <laughs> with a complete stranger who doesn't go to church. Uh, this is a great way to start. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what, why did you say that? Like it was a burden. You literally named one of your children Trinity.
0: <laughs> I know. I but, think that you would be like, "This is my moment. I've been but, waiting for this." But it's like one of those things. Like I, I, I could tell the guys on drugs. And so, how do I? Like, how do you talk about the Trinity? It's a, it's a cerebral you know? conversation. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. it was like, yeah. uh, you know. So anyway, Good. it was it okay. Was
1: fun. So we're clearly starting out a little bit heavy. So I'm going to go with the heavy that one a, that way. That was a lightish heavy. Okay, I'm going to start out with the heavy one because I want to end on the light one so the listeners aren't walking away bummed out. Um, You are a ministry leader at a parish. Uh, You minister to young people, and when I say young people, I'm talking about adolescents. Um, One of the people in the small group that you minister to, um, her her best friend ended up taking uh, her life um, sometime over the weekend, and she has reached out to you via text message to see if you could have lunch with her that day. So uh, you share with your supervisor that you're going to um, do a pastoral kind of response call or whatever and that you'll be you'll be out for for a little bit of time. Um, and your supervisor says no, you have more urgent tasks to take care of. you haven't gotten some of your tasks in when I asked you to last time which true is true you've been under kind of some things that hadn't gotten done and so your supervisor uses this as leverage to make sure that you get some of your office work done and tells you you're not allowed to um to go to the to to this high school to have lunch with this youth
0: what do you do (laughs) like my personality uh i mean I, (laughs) i i honestly probably wouldn't have asked in the first place i would have just gone um but that's my personality um you
1: can't put the toothpaste back in the tube though you've asked you've given a heads up because there's a culture maybe sure. at the office that you work in that's like you have to get permission to go to the restroom so you're in an environment that's a little bit micromanaging
0: yeah not having been in the ser- that scenario in forever and having been my own boss for like the last 10 years i have no idea how to respond to stuff like that but I, like right now where i am i would i would say you know, I I disagree that there are, there's a, that there's anything more important. I'm going to go. I asked, you know, I, I asked, you know, as I don't know, out of respect for you, but I'm going. Okay. And I would copy the pastor on it, and and so, I would and I would be and I would be gone. And if they fire so me, they fired me.
1: <laughs> that, there's one caveat that I think makes makes kind of what actually happened a little bit more sense. Uh, you're an hourly employee, and so. So does that change your response at all? Because you're kind of like, I'm going to go. This is part of my job. That sounds like a salaried employee versus an hourly employee.
0: I mean, I I think regardless, even if I was working in, I don't know, like um, as as a receptionist at a law firm and I got this call, I would do the same thing. Even if I wasn't at the parish, this is the most important thing I have to do right now. Like whatever task you had for me has to wait.
1: So this person, what they ended up doing is they ended up just clocking out. I'm going to lunch. They clocked out. And then there was no, what what you do on your own time is, you know, so long as you're not selling drugs or something or getting rides to McDonald's in the back of Matt's Jeep. Um, <laughs> so long as those things aren't happening, you're good to go. And so uh, this person just clocked out and went and had lunch with the
0: youth. Yeah. Um, so they didn't yeah. um, They didn't even respond to that email. Or they didn't respond uh, to that. I,
1: I think it was actually a, a verbal Okay not not, a, not an email thing. Um, I, I don't know all the details of the situation other than like toxic um, work environments, whether you're a ministry volunteer and you have stuff at your normal secular job or you work in a parish, like they can really affect ministry yeah. and blind people. I think it honestly blinds people from sometimes the bigger picture
0: you know um, the tougher thing I think in all this you know and again, this is probably coming from a place of privilege. Um, because like I, I can risk losing my job. Right. Um, and, and I, I feel like I could replace that income relatively easily, you know, by getting another job, different, uh, like other things like that. Um, and I've, I've always had that mentality. Um, so I've been able to, in, in a way, stand up for what I believe in. Um, probably cause it comes from a sense of privilege, you know, that, I can replace this or like that whole thing. But if, if it was, if we were living paycheck to paycheck, um, and, and really couldn't afford, you know, to potentially risk losing my job, um, I, that, that would change my answer, you know, and that, that terrifies me, you know, because, because people could use that like to hinder ministry, like to hurt, like yeah, against me in, in a way. Like if, if they knew that I was in dire straits and they could like risk, like they could hold my job over me and knowing that I needed the job to keep me from doing what I know that I should do, yeah. that's an that's a problem. You know, and, and, and I, I bet there are like, there's, I mean, there are people listening to this that are in that situation.
1: I believe that every ministry leader listening can show a scar from mm-hmm. something that happened. And uh, and honestly, I think that there's times where that would be healthy to do in proper environments. I don't think picking at the scar until it bleeds again is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but even at our recent offsite, we uh, we had a couple of conversations about crazy things that have happened to us in ministry, yeah. and it's crazy because we stand with a God of justice, and then there's some serious injustices that can occur in in the way leadership handles things or in the way people are managed or in the way people, you know, um, make decisions that affect other things. And so I I just want to speak to ministry leaders out there. Like, you're not alone in regards to the suffering that you've experienced um, with some of the ministry hardships. And there's other people that have had to make hard decisions as well. Uh, Sometimes you can just do the best ministry that you are allowed to do in that context, but that doesn't mean that your call as a disciple ends there. Love people off the clock as well.
0: Yeah. The, uh, it, it might not even the things that, I don't know, force us to make decisions that if we were free, we wouldn't make, um, it's a variety, you know? So like if, um, if I have to choose between doing ministry and doing this, this, I don't know, the TPS reports, right? Like from, was that office space? Um, that, uh, like doing the, like, whatever, like I, I, I I'm going to choose ministry unless you're holding my job, you know, over my head, you know, you're, you're like threatening my job. And there's a couple of reasons why I might, um, need that job, like, or whatever, like one of them might be financial. The other one might be this is what I'm supposed to be doing. God has called me here. I love my job. I love my role, I, whatever. And so I will sacrifice this in order to stay in this position and continue doing ministry. Um, does that make sense? So I think ministry leaders, like they have a passion for what they're doing and they will put up with a bunch of crap to be able to keep doing it. So I'm going to, I'm going to push back
1: a little bit. I would actually say that uh, the administrative side is still ministry. A teen coming in and seeing a pre-named ma- name tag or um, uh, a retreat being well planned out, like those type of administrative pieces are part of the ministry experience. However, I believe that those administrative pieces are very interruptible. And I see that when a priest gets a text message from the hospital and he stands up and he goes to the hospital. Right, The pastoral response carries a higher urgency, which means that we in ministry have to be adaptable and interruptible. And when we hold on to certain tasks above others, then I think it gets a little convoluted. And that's, that can be very problematic, especially when others are holding those tasks to a different priority, because they might not know the youth or the, the, the people that we serve, and that their needs are different than our understanding of their needs as a supervisor, or as a person once removed. Yeah. And so, um, and we see that a lot. So, anyways, I know there's healing surrounding it. I don't want you to think just because you're doing an Excel sheet that you're not also still doing ministry. But my goodness, if there's a call on the phone from a real person, <laughs> set the spreadsheet down and pick up the phone.
0: Yeah. Well, and and that's kind of what I was getting at was those scenarios, those pastoral response scenarios, sometimes because we love our job so much and it's being threatened um, by someone else or whatever, we will, like we tend to, I don't wanna say tend to, there is a, uh, I don't know, temptation to let that pastoral response moment pass because I've gotta do this so that I can stay in ministry or so that I can yeah. feed my family. Um, and The that's, only other that's piece tough, I wanna yeah.
1: add is pray for priests because it's their vocation. It's not a job. It's not a staying in ministry. It's their vocation and the administrative piece of it oftentimes isn't what they got jazzed about when they went into seminary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yep. So
0: cool. All right. What you got, Matt? Uh, So this one, I don't know if it's, yeah, well, let's just see. Um, So you are the youth minister at a parish um, and you've been running retreats and different things like that. And notice that at... Like almost every retreat, there's this one teenage girl who almost always has a panic attack at some point in the retreat. It requires your attention to respond to, um, and it happens one retreat, the next retreat, then you go on a work camp, and it happens on the work camp. Then, uh, like at this third time that has happened on on the work camp, one of your volunteers pulls you aside and says, I really think this is a ploy to get your attention because she likes you what's your response
1: so let me ask you a question what what is your response like in regards to to the to the youth or to the person sharing the, the with situation him, not the
0: person like when the person says it it's like glass shattering you're like oh crap you're right right um, and okay then, great and then yeah what's your response to the situation
1: so I would tell the adult uh, um, if there's any shadow of that being true or valid, um, we still need to respond. However, I can no longer be the one that, that leans in so close. I need to find a teammate. Would you be willing to be the person that teams up with me? And I would make sure that that person is a female, a female adult, right? Um, and, and I've been in a situation very similar to the one that you described. And I'll be honest, the way I handled it, was I let some of the adult leaders know because I knew that I wasn't going to be in the in the girls' sleeping section of the the camp that we were on, right? I couldn't be, and uh, and so I I empowered two adults, and they were the ones who were aware of this 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 girl's kind of pattern of behavior or kind of situation, right? And so um, I would I would mobilize a team to address it. Um, however, in mobilizing it, I would mobilize it as if it was valid. So if someone is faking a panic attack or someone is having a real panic attack I would always assume that it's a real panic attack I wouldn't assume that it's yeah uh, you, you don't call someone who's crying a faker <laughs> you yeah. you comfort them yeah. you know what I mean yeah.
0: yeah so yeah so that was that was basically the the exact situation that's exactly how I responded to it you know once it was like uh obvious it was like oh you know you, you're right you know that like and and i need to stop being the one to respond um it was so this was back when my wife was my number one volunteer at everything um and so i basically just had her be the point person i said okay like she doesn't like i'm not the one responding anymore you you you're the one responding please honey um and then uh, and so yeah she um and they, they were real panic attacks one of the things that was real frustrating on my end is Talking with the parents after that last trip, you know, um, talking to the mom and saying, hey, you know, um, this is like there's something, you know, psychologically off here um, and saying it in the nicest way, like in, in whatever, like you you really need to get, you know, this her to a, a psychologist. It would be really good for them to to actually, you know, walk through, you know, what's causing this and why she's, you know, seeking out this kind of attention um, with someone and then nothing was done like nothing no, like like no response no no help for the kid and like as a ministry leader like seeing that happen like I've, I've seen that happen year after year after year after year like you you see something that needs a, addressing you know because it's it's a wound or there's some sort of response like they're reacting from a hurt or something like that and and you know that there's something needs to be done but the parents don't do anything about it even when you talk to them.
1: It's it's so hard because as ministry leaders, um, especially when it comes to uh, minors, we want to partner with parents. In fact, that's the only way we can be authentically successful because we want to complement or empower what's taking place at the church to be reinforced uh, or, or amplified in the home. Yep. And I I have uh, shared a concern with a with a mental health issue as well, and uh, and I was told by the parent, "Stay the bleep out of my family business."
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> like. Yeah.
1: What are you gonna do? I don't know. I don't know how to partner in those situations, and it's so. So you just sit in the heaviness of it, and you you catch your breath again, and you just you just love at a little bit more of a distance, you know, just to be prudent and responsible. And you always got to side with the parent, but boy, some of those things don't don't feel like it makes sense, you know. So yeah, and I've even um, seen it
0: like in the other direction when there's either a ministry leader like peer or someone who's even above me. Um, and, and I've spoken to their supervisor and said, Hey, like the things that are going on, the things that I'm seeing this person do, the way that they're interacting with other people, the way that they're talking to people, um, is, is showing me that there's a wound here, that there's hurt, that there's pain. Cause a, 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 a healthy person doesn't talk to people like this, doesn't act like this. Um, they need help and then like and then to see even that like nothing happened from that like just like and maybe this is just something for ministry leaders there yeah i don't know i don't even know what the what the response is you know to ministry leaders but like just because someone doesn't respond to that doesn't mean you shouldn't have said it anyway Amen. um and and so to keep being that person to point out those things even when Others aren't responding to you or listening to you because we need people like, because that one person that does respond eventually, it, it, it's totally worth you doing it.
1: Well, and, and you're heard even if the response doesn't happen. And then maybe that supervisor has a deeper awareness yep. and an awareness in a way of that behavior is no longer annoying. That behavior is concerning. How can I help them? Yep. Right. Because even in the way that we share, it has to be done in a constructive way. But us as individuals, we also need to keep in mind that we aren't just here to share about the good news of a Savior. We're also here because we're in deep need of a Savior, right? So this also is a a wake-up call to do some self-reflection as well. Is there any areas where I might be blinded to a deep need for Jesus in my life? In my leadership in my ministry in whatever it is um in the way i interact with people because that that's a reality as well we have to we have to take the uh the plank out of our own eye first you know yep
0: yep all right so this has probably been a little deeper or heavier than you wanted it to be (laughs) but so let's end on a light note What, what you got
1: I was ready. I was like, this is a great show concept, and we'd love to hear your feedback on the show concept. I'm, it's going to be punchy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, you know, and then all of a sudden we get deep fast, and I love it because I really feel like the Holy Spirit is, is taking the wheel. So you are on a retreat, okay? Um, again, this is just to let you know, you can uh, apply a lot of these to different ministry contexts, but Matt and I, the bulk of our work was in youth ministry or is in youth ministry, and we're still both very passionate about youth ministry. So... Um, you are on a retreat. It's a conference, a weekend conference away. You're a state for away.
0: Me. Like for me. No, okay. with a group of youth. Okay. So
1: you've got you've got you know say 25 youth with you and a handful of awesome adults. And there's a teen that just passes out. Okay. Boom, and uh, and you, you talk to the teen, and he's he's de- you can tell he's just severely dehydrated. You take him to the to the uh, urgent care to the hospital. And they, they do the same thing. They put him on an IV. He, uh, he starts coming to more and more. Um, you contact the parents, you know, um, during all this process. He was at a Boy Scout camp for the entire week, a week worth of Boy Scout camp, right? And then he comes to a, your retreat or your, your conference or whatever. Um, and now you're there at the hospital. So the hospital lets you know he's severely dehydrated. And what they need to do to rehydrate him is give him this IV. So you're there for another two hours. And then they hand you a, a, a thing of pills. And those pills are suppositories.
0: <laughs> and they say... <laughs>
1: They say they need an adult. This actually happened, Matt. They oh, need an my adult. God. They need an adult to administer these suppositories every four hours to this youth um, moving forward. <laughs> so let me walk this back. Holy there are, crap. <laughs> there, there are zero, zero parents involved, oh right? They're gosh. the state away. And this is what the doctor said they need. And, of course, there's... A 40-page safe environment manual <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: that tells you any step between holding that bottle and executing it would be a grave violation I cannot of take this. That, that situation. So what? as you're leaving, as you're leaving the ER, being handed those bo- that bottle, the, the, the young man is looking at you and you're looking at him with the same type of fear in your eyes. Like, dear Jesus, do we have to do this? So what do you do?
0: Oh, like your first mistake was leaving that hospital with that kid. I would have just walked out and left the kid there. (laughs) I'll be back in 24 hours. Just let the hospital care for him. Y'all deal with him. You know, like that was was my first thought. Um, Second thought is as you walk out, you look to the kid and say, you're doing that your damn self. Like, (laughs) sorry. Uh, Did we just make this explicit? Did I just make that explicit? Whatever. No,
1: the the darn, darn, darn self. You were talking about what beavers make. Sure. Keep going. Yeah, okay.
0: No, it would be, it would be like, uh, like, can you do this yourself? Um, like, and, and then like, if he says no, it's like, all right, you're on your first flight home. <laughs> like, I don't know what the, like, I really don't know what I would do. I would not, I would not do it. I would have a hard time doing that with my own kid. My wife does all that stuff. <laughs> so, so you did inquire. Yeah, you're, it's Matt's wife is a,
1: a doctor, uh, an MD <laughs> and she's excellent, um, and so you, you actually did inquire, is this something – in front of the doctor, is this something he can do on his own? And they said, in our experience, we found that people actually don't push it all the way in. <laughs> so you need to – we need an adult to administer it to this, you know, 13, 14-year-old kid. So, yeah, so you can't do it your darn self, Matt. So now <laughs> – does that change your response? Uh, you cannot abandon him at the hospital. You know you can't do that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because you cannot abandon a minor.
0: Yeah, like if you talk to the parents and say, "Hey, this is this is this is what they're asking me to do," I I, I feel more comfortable leaving him here and let the hospital do it.
1: <laughs> so they would probably say, "You need to stay with them, or we'd like you to stay with them." I don't want my child, my my baby, to be at the hospital by himself overnight.
0: Okay, so you want to know what happened? What happened? I gotta know, cause. Yeah. Some of these decisions I I, like I would have to make in the moment, not like hypothetical. So I uh, the the young man and I both
1: looked at each other with this look of like, are we really going to walk down this road? (laughs) And uh, and then as we walked to the car, I said, we're going to stop at a gas station right now and we're going to buy two big jugs of Gatorade and two big jugs of water. If you can finish one Gatorade and one water before we go to bed, and one Gatorade and one water before lunchtime tomorrow, then we won't deal with this bottle. Does that sound reasonable? And he said yes. <laughs> and then I contacted his parents and shared that plan with them as well, and and uh, like kind of walked them through the scenario, and they agreed that that would be acceptable. <laughs> and so that he he I I. I <laughs> I checked on him. Are you drinking your water, bud? Hey, are you drinking your water? Remember oh, you did not have agreement. to check on
0: that kid. He was doing it.
1: Oh, I had to check on him because I didn't want to have to hold in my end of the deal. You know. So sure enough, he went to bed um, and went to the bathroom like three times before the evening was done. And then uh, by lunchtime, he was running around. He was fine. Good. Good. Um, I get back, take him back. Hand the parents the the suppositories and say here just in case you need them in the future whatever. They apologize greatly. Two weeks later, in the mail, I get a thank you note and a hundred dollar gift card to Christopher's, which is a very nice restaurant nice. In, uh, in, in 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 the town. area. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's wow. what happened.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I yeah, I'm sure that people have been put in situations like that before other ministry leaders, but uh, yeah, I haven't, and. Uh, yeah, I hope I never am. But but it's one of those double like, like a great response though, because it was like like there's gotta be another solution. <laughs> We're gonna make up but our own way. solution. We're gonna ignore medical advice <laughs> and do it this way because yes.
1: So, so yeah, because that, that's the thing, is it's an impossible situation. You cannot follow medical advice, which the parents in the diocese would want you to do, and at the same time, follow safe environment policy, which the diocese would want you to do. So you're stuck in this impossible situation, so you've got to find a third way or something like that, or you've got to bring in another medical expert and actually have to hire a professional nurse or something like that to do that. And maybe I could have inquired at the conference center and said, is there, you know, do you guys have a medical tent or something like that? to where we get a nurse a professional nurse or something like that. Yeah. So that that could have been another another option, but but I do believe that there are certain situations where people haven't scripted this. There's yeah. no there's nothing in the safe environment manual or anything like that about this and uh and you just have to and the best thing that I did in that conversation was bringing the parents into the conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Hey, guys, we want to hear your scenarios. The, the, these are some of them were gotcha. <laughs> yeah, like that last yeah. one was definitely a gotcha <laughs> type of thing because there was no correct answer, you know. Um, but we want to hear what you want to hear us respond to. So what would Matt do? What would Chris do? You can email us at mla.ablaze.us and share this. It'll yeah. bring a smile to someone's face.
0: What I want to see actually would be fun would be some of these posted on Facebook. Um, and you and I are not allowed to respond. Like we would have to take take the ones we like or whatever to on to another episode. Um, does that make sense?
1: Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay.
0: So post these on Facebook or send them to us either way. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. That'd be a lot of fun.
1: Hey, in 2020, uh, it, it was rough. 2021 is now upon us. And uh, we would love for you guys to leave a five-star review. We say this like every third week or something like that. Make it your commitment in January of 2021 to leave a five-star review or to tell us why you refuse to. And uh, that that could help more people hear the amazing message that, uh, that we get to share together at Ministry Leaders Anonymous.
0: Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, <laughs> we believe that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for ministry leaders to... Yeah, come up with ideas on how you respond to random situations. You are so much better at that, Chris. And and we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless.